This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Good morning and welcome to Deep South Dining. Coming to you this with the soundtrack, Carol, of the late, great Jim Feather. From Pontotoc, Mississippi. From Pontotoc, another one of those Northeast Mississippi boys. Right. Old Miss football player, All-American, all everything, great singer-songwriter. And uh, Midnight Train to Georgia is one of the 500 greatest songs of all times, according to Rolling Stone magazine. Wow. There you go. Well, Carol, how have you been? I haven't talked to you in almost a week now. Yeah, Mal, it, it has been a little time. I'm good. I'm really good. Been cooking. Uh, I, I've been following you on uh, the social media. and uh, Then you'll know that I have been cooking very little. Well, <laughs> posting very little, but <laughs> nevertheless providing uh, food for yourself and others. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Uh, I confessed yesterday on Cooking and Coping that, that I've been in a slump with my cooking and it was really good to confess and get it off my chest and today's a new day and I'm going to be back at it but it's been kind of a slow cooking month for me how about you well um it's been a mixed bag we've been cooking and making soups you know we we love soups over here uh, at the white house so we've been making a lot of soups and uh, one pot dishes doing a lot I've been roasting uh I don't know why, but this last week or two, I've been roasting giant heads of garlic in the oven because like a sweet potato, I Yum. just like the way it makes the house smell. And of course, then I say to Kara, you know, here's four or five giant heads of garlic that I've roasted. You can use them in spaghetti sauce. You can use them in soup. You can use them in uh, you know, stir fry. Uh, it's just a different take to use roasted garlic, you know, versus fresh garlic. Well, you heard it here on Deep South Dining. And you know, you talk about you talk about easy. You take the head of garlic, you put it in the oven, you turn it on until it gets soft and it is roasted. Okay, so no cutting it in half. No, I put them in whole. And after they're roasted, I cut them and then squeeze the roasted garlic out by hand. Nothing to it. I am impressed. Yeah. Well, I sent you a photograph of, oh the late, of the latest vegetable in my life. What planet was that thing from? Well, it was delivered from out of space by my <laughs> out of space by my good friend Melinda Berry Palmer. And you know, I love a gift of food. I love a vegetable. And it is called Romanescu. Romanesque. You Romanesque. Heard it. Yes, you heard it here. And you have to picture for those of you out in radio land, it's about the circumference of a cauliflower. Yep. And it, in fact, is a cross kind of between cauliflower and broccoli. And it's a very bright shade of yellow green, mm. pyramid shaped. 
right. with hundreds of tiny pyramids, you know, all around it. And it does look like something from outer space, but uh, I've come to learn that it's quite a popular vegetable now. And it's being sold at Doris Berry's Farmer's Market on Highway 80 in Jackson. And also our good friend Lee Bailey at Salad Days has had some at her at her farm markets too. But, you know, I put it out there on Cooking and Coping yesterday, and I believe I got over 60 comments from, wow, you should shellac it and put it on the table. <laughs> you, know, uh, you know, somebody, I think it was Bob LaCour in Meridian, said that he remembered that from Italian restaurants back in his New York days. But but the the overriding idea is to roast it with a little garlic and olive oil, and I'm, g- I'm going to do that tonight. Would we roast it with roasted garlic, maybe? I think we could. Uh, one of my favorite comments on cooking and coping came from somebody who, who uh, reminded us of the old Mark Twain co- uh, quote, cauliflower is just cabbage with a college education. <laughs> and this is a very educated hey, cauliflower-ish speak- vegetable. Speaking of Mark Twain, we lost another great actor this past week, uh, Hal Holbrook passed. Remember Hal Holbrook played, he had the great one man Mark Twain show, played it at New Stage one time. Uh, Jack Stevens brought him here. But what a great actor. I think he lived to be almost 100 years old. Yes, as did Christopher Plummer, who who died this week. And then Jim Weatherly too, so it was kind of a bad week. Yeah, bad week for the creative sector. But uh, we look for the young up-and-coming artists and creatives to fill those voids. Um, the, the one comment I, I remember reading about about your Romanesque vegetable was someone said that they had eaten it in a restaurant in Memphis called The Beauty Shop. Do I have that right? Yes, that's Karen Carrier's restaurant in Memphis. And, I, I, you know, it just makes sense that she would do something wildly creative. Right. Well, uh, for those of you who follow the calendar... Uh, and some people follow both the calendar and the weather, you will know that it is uh, February and that uh, there is a giant uh, holiday uh, in February known as St. Valentine's Day. And I know that a lot of people do food-related events and have food themes around Lover's Day, St. Valentine's Day. So, Carol, what on earth do you have on tap? Well, Malcolm, I've got two things on tap. One, I'm going high. The other, I'm going home cooking. If I can score a whole red snapper, Mm. I'm going to cook a Portuguese dinner for my sweetheart, who lived in Portugal uh, a few years back. And I'm going to do a salt-encrusted red snapper. And you have Mm. to picture... Yeah, a sheet pan with the big fish covered covered in two pounds of salt. And wow. it makes you know, it makes the most tender, beautiful fish dish you can imagine. You you know, you actually stir the kosher salt and water together and then spread a sheet of it on a on a roasting pan, then put your fish on it and then pack the salt around it. Wow, yeah. 
yeah, you bake it for like 15 minutes a pound. And when it comes out, you crack the crust like with the heavy end of a knife. And and it's beautiful. But and you, know, just, to, you just peel back the, the yeah, salt. And does the skin is, come off or does the skin stay on? It, it depends. It, you oh, know, okay. it, it depends. So, sometimes I've been lucky enough that, that most of it stays on, but, but sometimes not. But to go with it, I'm going to do a Portuguese tomato rice and mm. then a salad with paprika croutons. So oh. there you go. But if I can't get the fish, I'm going catfish, hush puppies, and slaw because these are things he loves. Yeah, well, you can't go wrong. Yeah. Mississippi raised catfish. That's right. And then always the chocolate dessert. So how about you? Uh, Well, we're going to step out on a limb. We have reservations at Walker's Drive-In on the courtyard, the patio, for 630 on Valentine's Day. So we're going to get in there an hour after they open, sit outside, uh, and have, uh, have a dinner at Walker's Drive-In, and that's what Kara wanted to do, and that's what we're going to do. This will be the first time that we've eaten out since March. Wow. And, you so know, my you la- my last restaurant meal was, I guess, the end of February last year, the first week in March with you. Yep, that's right. We were doing research uh, for the show. Yeah, and, and uh, we were at, we were at Elvie's. Elvie's. That's right. I got the wrong restaurant. Ely's is in uh, Madison Ridgeman. Elvie's is here in Belhaven. Yeah, but we were doing research for Elvie's, and little did we know that that would be our last restaurant meal of 2020. And and not to be Debbie Downer, but uh, little did we know that it was the end of the world as we knew it, and everything <laughs> would change. We had no way to know or imagine or to conceptualize what was coming down the pipe. Yeah, and I've been thinking about restaurants in Valentine's Day. I'm going to be interested to see, you know, what's happening and so glad to know that you're actually going to a restaurant because it's such a huge day, huge night for restaurants. Yeah, yeah. It's a huge, you're right, it's a huge dining out uh, event and uh, historically it's, it's an opportunity for Restaurants to to have a little boon in business uh, in the middle of February before they head into spring break. So it'll be interesting to see how the pandemic affects that. I, I'm I'm really pleased to hear about you and other people of our certain age going out. Well, we've had our shots, so we think we're ready to at least dip our toe uh, in the waters of reality. Now. Though Valentine's Day plans may have changed somewhat, there are some things that never change, and that is chocolate, chocolate, and chocolate for Valentine's Day. You are so right. Now, you sent me a YouTube (laughs) video that I am still uh, cracking up about of Lucy, Lucille Ball, it's Lucy and Ethel, when they decided they wanted to get jobs in the chocolate factory. (laughs) I had to share, share that with you this morning. I was laughing myself silly when we, yeah, I knew we were talking about chocolate. 
And I started thinking about that, and it was right there on YouTube. So describe, <laughs> describe for our audience. Well, Lucy, Lucy and Ethel decided they wanted to get jobs, so they applied for jobs in the chocolate factory, and and they failed at two or three jobs in shipping and you know candy making, and they ended up putting them on the assembly line to wrap chocolates as they come down the conveyor belt. And, and the woman who is instructing them is, is, you know, really hard on them. She's very driven. She's, uh, she's, she's, she's ordering them around, and she gives them their instruction. Anyway, so the chocolate, when it first starts coming down the conveyor belt, is going rather slowly. So Lucy and Ethel are having no problem wrapping these chocolates and putting them back on the conveyor belt. And then they speed it up, and all <laughs> heck breaks out. Because they can't keep up. They start eating the chocolate, stuffing the chocolates down their, their shirts, in their hats. It just turns into a typical Lucille Ball shtick. And she and Ethel uh, have chocolate everywhere as they are trying to keep up with the conveyor belt. So you should for Google. Valentine's Day, yes, Google uh, or go to YouTube and put in Lucy and the Chocolate Factory and you will be highly entertained. All right, it's time for our first break today. And when we come back, we're going to talk about a new restaurant competition. It is putting the focus on Central and Southwest Mississippi's Black-owned restaurant. Stay tuned. On Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, you get information about foods you should eat to stay in good health and tips on how to stay active. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, host of Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, an associate professor of preventive medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Listen to the show every Monday at 11 or subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy with your preferred podcasting app. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Welcome back to Deep South Dining. We are living for the weekend and sometimes living for Monday morning right here on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back, Carol. How you doing? I'm doing great, Malcolm. I'm really excited that we're going to have Martina Barksdale on to talk about her job and uh, the exciting things that they're doing during Black History Month. Yeah, Martina is the host and producer of the great television media show, Mississippi Weekend. And uh, for those of you who may not be familiar with the program, Martina, why don't you explain to our listeners and welcome. Thank you for having me, uh, Malcolm and Carol. So Mississippi Weekend is part of the great television station and WLVT. Um, So I am the host and producer of that platform. We focus on lifestyle content from food, restaurants, entertainment, you name it. Um, Also uh, Made in Mississippi, which is a quarterly show we do on WLVT, focuses really on highlighting all local business. Wow, that's tremendous. Well, I really love that segment, and I have to confess that that you know, I'm the one that raised my hand and wanted you to come on so badly this week because I've been <laughs> just very excited about this contest you're having about uh, black-owned restaurants in around Jackson and southwest Mississippi. I think it's yes. a great idea, but more than that, we want your list. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we'll definitely try to put a list together because we received a lot of nominations. Um, the idea started, well, back in November, we were doing these bracket challenges. We did a catfish clash. Who had the best catfish in Central and Southwest Mississippi? And that just took off. Um, so we decided to do a whole year of culinary clashes. And this month, we want to spotlight Black-owned restaurants for Black History Month. And um, so there, there are a lot more restaurants than I even knew, especially in the Jackson metro area and beyond. So I'm really excited. Voting starts tomorrow. So I don't know who the top eight exactly is yet, but we've been getting a lot of nominations. Everyone from, um, you know, Shipley's to uh, Godfrey's to uh, uh, those are just two off the top of my head. But there, there's a lot of black owned restaurants that you should get out and support. Well, and what about the catfish? Uh, your, your sort of kickoff to all this. I'm, I, I followed that on social media, but I can't remember who won the best catfish. It seems like it, it may have been Cock of the Walk. or some, Do you have a list of who won that? Yes, Cock of the Walk was the winner for our first uh, Catfish Clash. They won the belt. We had this really shiny, almost like WWE shiny <laughs> belt that we gave to them. Uh, they also won a feature on the show in our Today at 11 show, which is um, airs Monday through Friday at 11 and focuses on um, lifestyle content as well. So it was really great. I love seeing the community support these small loan businesses, especially in the time like this. So it was amazing. Yeah, that's a wonderful thing that y'all are doing. It's a very tangible way that people can put their money in our local economies. Oh, now, I was wondering how you submit nominations and how you vote. So um, nominations did close yesterday, uh, Sunday at midnight. Um, but voting starts tomorrow. You can just head to MississippiWeekend.com and click on Culinary Clash 2021. And you, you mentioned that after this competition uh, with with the best Black-owned uh, restaurants uh, playing off of the theme of Black History Month, you say you're going to move into things like best tacos, best fried chicken, that, that sort of, and just keep this going? Yes, we're going to do a, a bracket every single month. So we'll get a chance to highlight these local um, small businesses and vote for the best. So I think next month we have a full schedule at MississippiWeekend.com, but I believe in March we're going to focus on tacos and margaritas. Then we have uh, best fried chicken and wings and mm. so on and so forth. That's great. What sort of response do you get? I mean, do you, do you keep up with how many people respond or you just count the votes and say, here's the winner? Yeah, we definitely keep up uh, with our analytics. That's why we're doing this because so we've received such great, um, you know, involvement and interaction. I believe on the Catfish Clash, we had over 64,000 um, votes and over uh -oh. 1,500 nominations. What? And yeah, yeah. And just within that quarter, I think we got like over 150,000 page views just within that month um, because People really love competition, they love food, and they love to support their own, so. Goodness. Well, uh, I can't wait till you do the fried chicken one. I, I have a little bit of history with, you know, with fried chicken myself, having done a story for Delta Magazine a few years ago about the best fried chicken between Memphis and Jackson. And I will tell you, people are passionate about their fried chicken. So passionate. And as they should. As they should. Yes. 
But I, you know, one of the things I enjoyed was asking chefs what their favorite ch- fried chicken was. And it was amazing how many gas station fried chickens that they mentioned. And they, you know, they had definite preference. Like in the, in the Delta, it was like, oh, the Belzona double quick is the best. And another right. chef would say, no, I drive, you know, to Indianola for theirs. But it, well, it was yeah. a topic. Well, we actually going to have a, a bracket for gas station grub because it's so huge. So, I mean, you might be, we, you might see multiple restaurants in multiple brackets because they kind of spread out over it. But like, we do have a bracket coming up, I think in uh, the fourth quarter for uh, gas station grub, because you can get ribs, fried chicken, wings. I mean, that I'm in a few, few foodie groups here um, on Facebook and like people go at it about it. So. <laughs> Well, do we have a friend for you? Malcolm, do you want to tell her about our good buddy? Well, no, either way, I mean, Stafford Sheridan is our Delta uh, correspondent for this show. And his deal is gas station food. And he posts them. Uh, he makes little YouTubes and he rates the gas station cuisine from, from one end of the state to the other. He started in the Delta, but now he's, he's all over the state. So you want to make sure and touch base with Stafford Sheridan and, and go to his site and, and check him out. It's, it's really well done. It's that last video he posted was off the chart. He's really catching. He's finding his voice, I believe, as they yeah, say. Yeah. And he has That's tens great. of thousands of followers from all over the world now. You know, we wonder you know, what people are doing looking at Mississippi <laughs> gas, gas stations, but uh, he's quite an interesting guy. And you should keep him in mind for a show sometime or, or a segment. On I definitely will. We, we love partnering with the community and getting involved. I'm, I mean, even with uh, the Catfish Clash, we had Miss Catfish involved and learned about the catfish industry and things like that. So any partnerships, with, especially within the community, uh, we would love to do. Now, Martina, though you live and work in Jackson, I know you've spent time in New York City, but more importantly, uh, it's my understanding that you're from Kentucky. Now yes, there is I a am. very famous fried chicken from Kentucky. Uh, <laughs> yeah. and there is also Carol, a very famous fried chicken cooking style from Nashville. And mm-hmm. here's first Martina, talk a little bit about growing up in Kentucky and what, how you ate fried chicken versus what the general public sees in a Kentucky fried chicken. And then Carol, why on earth, has there not been a Nashville hot chicken place open in Jackson, Mississippi yet? I don't get it. Martina, to you first. All right. So um, our experience eating chicken in Kentucky, I think we all know like the local owned restaurants have the best food. So I'm not going to say the chain is terrible, but it definitely is not up to par with the type of fried chicken that I grew up on. Uh, whether it be my mama's or uh, Grimes, used to be called Richie's in Kentucky. Some of the best fried, we have fried chicken wars all the time. <laughs> and we also do hot chicken in Kentucky. I know it's a Nashville thing, but we have a, a few hot chicken places and I'll put it up against anybody, any hot chicken in Nashville. And we do gas station chicken. Like we got gas station chicken, grocery store chicken, <laughs> um, your mama's chicken. And, <laughs> and your grandma's chicken. chicken. Yes. Okay, one last question, Martina, on this. Mm-hmm. Dark meat or white? 
I'm, I'm, I'm with the combination. Whatever you put on my plate is what I'm going to eat. You but I, I've been told, I've been told me too. has a little bit more flavor. But I don't know. That's a tough one. That's a tough one. It is. I, I'm a combo person too, but I, I really yeah. fall down more on the dark meat side. Java, dark meat or white? He's got to put his headphones on. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna lean toward dark meat because the white meat it has to be done correctly. It's so easy for that white meat to get dry. It's so right. easy for it to get you dry. Are so right. <laughs> no and one now, likes dry chicken meat. And no. I know we're talking about chicken and not turkey, but, you know, I've had this conversation and actually wrote about it for MPB that I inadvertently married into a white meat family. Mm. I came from you know, a dark meat family and I had no idea. There are some people that just leave all the dark meat on the platter. Which is just wow. fine with me because I will circle back and take care of it. <laughs> That's where well, all the flavor, the, the juice is. A lot of good stuff going on there in the dark meat. Martin, all right. would, Wait, you, would you uh, come back after the contest is over and talk about the black owned restaurants and what you, you know, what you discover and find out? I know you're going to have a lot of great tips for us. Yeah, for sure. I mean, listen, I can possibly come back next Monday after our first round and see how that goes. And we can kind of talk about it and you can follow along the competition with us. Sounds good. Sounds good. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming on and uh, promoting Mississippi and Made in Mississippi and Mississippi Weekend and WLBT. We appreciate it. Uh, Martina Barksdale, thanks for being our guest today. And we're going to follow you closely. Welcome back. Yeah, thank you so much. And remember, voting starts tomorrow, MississippiWeekend.com. Great. Okay. Good deal. All right. Now, time for our next break. When we come back, we're going to talk to an old friend of mine, Julian Brunt. He is a resident of Biloxi, Mississippi. I met him after Katrina. He's a food writer and food photographer, and he's always got his finger on the pulse of all things coast food scene. We will talk to him and ask him what he likes, what he's eating, what's opening, how they're faring in the pandemic down on the coast. So stay tuned. Hi, I'm Jason Klein from Fix It 101. If you ever thought about changing the doorknob or fixing a leaky faucet, some jobs just aren't that difficult, and yes, you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things, listen to Fix It 101, podcast everywhere. He'll go coastal. Welcome back to Deep South Dining, where we intend to go coastal right here in this final segment. But Carol, before we do that, talk a little bit about our Cooking and Coping Facebook page. We haven't said much about it today. It's our companion to this radio show on the Internet. It is um, a place where people go and share recipes and such. Talk a little bit about that. Well, it has been very active this week, uh, both, you know, around the Super Bowl and just, you know, general cooking. There were some of the most fabulous Super Bowl food and Super Bowl uh, appetizers that, you know, I can believe. And, you know, one of our best cooking and coping members is actually – Coming up, Julian Brunt, and his post I saw last night was of Vienna sausage 
with mustard. I don't know if you saw that, but he he can uh, do fabulous photography of Vienna sausage. And he's known as our sandwich king, too. Just you know, oh. beautiful, beautiful sandwiches. In fact, I, I don't know why he doesn't do a cookbook on his sandwiches. Well, you know, maybe he'll do a cookbook. I understand well, that might be in the works. Actually, I have been reading through his manuscript for his latest effort. And, you know, I am very impressed and excited. You know, he has this crazy kind of uh, background, kind of like you. He's a hill country guy, a North Mississippi guy uh, who's gone coastal. So he has a lot of a combination of the cooking of that area of the state with the coast. And it, it's quite interesting. Well, let's bring him on. Julian Bryant, how are you, my friend? Hello, Malcolm. How are you? Carol? Really well. Hey, Julian. Good to see you. I love those Vienna sausages. Good to talk to you. Yeah, it's one of my favorites. So you're down there on the coast, and your business is uh, photographing and writing uh, about coast restaurants and, I guess, the culinary coast. Tell us what's going on uh, around your neighborhood. Well, you know, there were all sorts of dire predictions about the number of restaurants that were going to close because of COVID. And perhaps they have in some places, but, you know, it's things aren't bad down here. It's, it's, they're not great. I mean, that's for sure. But the, uh, we've had quite a few restaurants open, which was a surprise to me. I don't know why uh, people would want to take a chance in, in, in this economy, but they are. But they tend to be uh, people that have never had a restaurant before, uh, and uh-huh. they tend to specialize in something. Um, there's a new hoagie place in Ocean Springs, you know, the East Coast hoagies. There's a uh-huh. new bagel place downtown, uh, Biloxi. Three or four new food trucks. So that's uh, that's kind of a surprise. Uh, but, it, I mean, it's, it's a good one, you know. Absolutely. I, I see that there is a <clears throat> new Jamaican place opening in Ocean Springs. Can you tell us a little bit about that? I'm not sure which one that is. There's, I know, I mean, there's one, an exist, existing one uh, called CB's Jamaican Jerk. Okay. Talking about that I th- is that the one that you and I went to that time? It's on Pass Road? No, 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 no. no that's no. that's a different one. Uh, okay. This one is, is in Ocean Springs out towards the interstate. It's it's really good. Very small menu. There's only, I think, five things on the menu, but some of the best ribs that I have ever had, and of course the jerk jerk chicken is pretty phenomenal. And he's CB is quite a character too. He's a very entertaining fellow. Well, I'm thinking about Mardi Gras right now, and I want to put you on the spot and ask, what is the <laughs> best king cake on the coast? Tell it. Oh man, you know I would. You're asking me to get in trouble. Uh, there <laughs> yeah. are so many, so That's many really good king here. cakes. But I tell you honestly, you know, there's the the little coffee shop that I hang out in Ocean Springs called the Greenhouse on Porter. They have opened another location in Biloxi, Greenhouse Biloxi, and they started making king cake biscuits, and they were so popular they started making king cakes, and they are shipping them all over the place. They're really delicious. That, yeah, would be, that would have to be my favorite, I think. Okay, well, say the name again for our listeners so, so they can it's, look it up. 
Greenhouse Biloxi. Okay. It's the second outing for the Greenhouse uh, right. on Porter in Ocean Springs. Right. We've had right. uh, one of the owners on the show, and I'm right. uh, trying to remember uh, her Jesse. name right now. Wasn't, which yeah. one? Yeah, Jesse. Yeah, Jesse. Jesse. Correcto changeo. Well, you know, there is that rather famous king cake place up in Picayune called Paul's, which I know a lot uh -huh. of people. Order. I'm not a big king cake eater. And, and I, one of the funniest things I've read lately on our cooking and coping site was the argument about whether or not a king cake is a cake or if it's a pastry. <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. And now, from which side do you fall down on? I think it's a pastry, like the, I cream, do too. Like the Kringle. Right. You know, yeah. it's a color, colorful pastry, a very festive pastry. Yep. Well, what else is happening down your way on the coast yep. there? I know that you're a no, busy I, man about. Yeah, as a matter of fact, um, you were just talking about Stafford. I'm meeting him for lunch today. We're going to do a, do a YouTube on Quay Brothers in D'Iberville. All yeah. right. And this is our friend Stafford Sheridan, the gas station... Right reviewer right. from drew mississippi that's right so uh glad to know he's working the coast yeah does does yeah, that place do the that. press oh boy julian he does in my opinion he does the best pot roast beef po boy ah and that's what that's what we're gonna that's what we're gonna talk about today is it pressed or just the bread toast no it's bread well pressed. the regular one is pressed they have a one they call, I think it's the New Orleans style, which is not pressed. Uh, but this, the one that I get is always pressed, yeah. Pressed and dressed. Pre I like, like that, yeah. So did they use like panini-type presses for this? Yeah, you know, that was, that was the press was developed in Biloxi. Um, trying to think of the name, Rosetti's. There was a place in Biloxi years ago called Rosetti's. Uh, that was also the place that that invented the uh, crab and cheese pool boy, the, the uh, Van Cleve special. Van Cleve special. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and, and, and I've been told that they they invented they invented the press too. And I, how that came about, I don't know. I mean, that was well before panini presses were around. Uh, well, what they did, they used what's called a weight, and they use a flat top griddle like you would see in a hamburger joint. And they, uh -huh. they put the sandwich together and they put it on the hot griddle and put this press on top of it, this weight, oh. and it would smush it down. And when it got toasted on the bottom, they would flip it over, put the weight on the top and press the other side. Then along came the panini press and it changed everything, made it a lot easier. Oh, I see. Yeah. Well, yeah. I was yeah. very new to the press uh, po' boy. In fact, I was introduced to it by Malcolm White but it was when he was giving a lecture on the stage of the Southern Foodways Alliance Symposium on the press po' boy, and he pressed his po' boy with an ironing board and an iron. <laughs> well, it, was, it, was a mem it was a memorable uh, <laughs> demonstration, and actually, I mean, it was quite some years ago, maybe eight years ago, Malcolm, something like that. Yeah, and it's not we, health department approved. It is not health department approved. <laughs> but we, we had a, a guy on the radio show who ho hopefully will have again, uh, again, Adrian Miller from Colorado. 
And uh, when I called to ask him to be on the show and I said, my colleague Malcolm White, he said, oh, man, is that the press po'boy guy? The guy with the ironing board? So hey, you know, impression. speaking of Rossetti's and the press po'boy, it did used to be in a restaurant on the point called Rossetti's. Right. And when it closed, right. it became the old Biloxi schooner. That's right. Continued with the same. Then Katrina wiped out the schooner. And now they right. serve those sandwiches, as I understand it, at Quality Seafood, which is owned by the Rossetti family. That I, that I did not know. I know that after the storm, he moved his restaurant, the schooner, across the street from the Catholic Church on Howard Avenue. Uh, but that didn't, that didn't make it. And then he tried up Highway 15 again. So quality would be a good place for it, yeah. Well, um, one thing, uh, Julian, I wanted to ask you about about these restaurants opening. What is the if not now attitude down there on the coast? Yeah, that's. I mean, these are all uh, people that have never had restaurants before, and I, I don't understand the logic behind it. But it seems like they're saying, if I mean, I've always wanted a restaurant all my life, and you know, if not now, why? You know, when one of the guys, uh -huh. the, the guy that has the uh, bagel, uh, uh, the hoagie shop actually lost his. He was furloughed because of COVID and he uh, always wanted a, a restaurant and loved to cook. And uh, he needed to support his family. So he just he took the chance. And uh, all of these places, are, the hoagies were just spectacular. I uh, really, really enjoyed them. I'm wow. hoping for all these folks that there is so much pent-up demand from people having to stay in this year that we are going to see a renaissance in people going out to eat. I'm really hoping well, that. You know, the, the the restaurants that have done well have been the ones that have been innovative and flexible. Uh, lots and lots of takeout, uh, preset menus, reduced inventories, reduced throwaways. And uh, some people will be pretty upset about this, the, the demise of the buffet. Um, yeah. I have a good friend that has an a Indian place in Gulfport whose that was his main primary business was the buffet. But he closed, closed the buffet, say, went with the regular menu, and he reduced his, his inventory substantially. He reduced his throwaways. Uh, and he's actually making the same money that he made pre-COVID with much less effort. So he, he told me he would never go back to the buffet again. And some of the casinos may not go back either. They, I've talked to several of them that say by closing the buffets, they've, they've redistributed uh, the customer load to the other restaurants. And of course they have reduced their menus as well uh, in seating capacity and seem to be doing pretty good. Well, you know, the buffet has always been uh, a part of the basic business plan of the casinos. Uh, and there's right. so many casinos down there. Uh, I was going to ask you about that. You know, like, have all, I guess all the casinos have had to abandon those breakfast and lunch buffets, right? Yeah, as far as I know, that, that's right. And, and, and I was just looking the other day. We have, there are 75 restaurants on the coast that are in casinos. Wow. Boy, yeah, that's, that's, that's yeah, that's amazing. that's a lot. But you know, COVID is yeah. going to change things forever about yeah. how we dine in restaurants. I mean, buffets, salad bars, 
uh, shared mm-hmm. appetizers, you know, eating a plate full of nachos with you know, 10 you're, people's you're hands right. in them. It, it's it's going to change. Gonna hey, Julia, uh, because it's Black History Month, I wanted to ask you, do you find, are there many restaurants over in uh, in East North Gulfport where, where that Af- predominantly African-American community are that, that serve uh, a local cuisine? You know, I, I don't know of any. There's one really good uh, soul food place in Ocean Springs called Nana J's, which is, which is really, really good. Uh, but I don't know of any others. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was just curious that if you had... No, I can't. I can't think of one off the top of my head. Uh, well, well, are you still traveling the state with with your work, taking photos and and writing your columns as, and stuff? Yeah, not as much as as I was. I, I'm trying to avoid overnight trips. I've done a yeah. couple of day trips, but I still do the Sun Herald thing. You know, that's I do one restaurant a week for the the Sun Herald, the column called Eats that comes out on Friday. So that's that's fifty two a year. Uh, so I uh, Jillian, I've, mm-hmm. I've, I've been really enjoying reading your manuscript for your cookbook, and uh, there's something that we really have have in common, and that was that your first po' boy was at Little Ray's, and uh-huh, that's right. that was and where my forth. first po' boy, my first oyster po' boy was, and Little yeah. Ray's was, you know, an amazing uh, po' boy place. I don't know if, if they yeah. still have a restaurant down there, but you know we there's used to go to that. The the one uh, you know past Bay St. Louis. There's one left on Courthouse Road. The one on Heidi, Highway 49 that I went to back in the days when I was working for Sam Walton at, at Walmart uh, burned. That was in the early 80s, uh, and they they didn't they didn't reopen it. Uh, but the one on Courthouse Road is still there. That is, that's good to know. Now, Julian, speaking of the cookbook, I know you're working on a new one, but you published a great cookbook uh, in partnership with the Maritime Maritime and Seafood Museum, right? Was as a fundraiser right, for them, right? The, the Biloxi Seafood Cookbook. That's right. Which which you reviewed for me. I did. And is it still in print, or can you still get it yes. at the museum, or what? Yes. You can get it at the Maritime Seafood Industry Museum. You can also get it at the George Orr Museum in Biloxi. Great. Oh, and, and well, Des- Desport Seafood has them, too. Who does? Desport Seafood. They have a new location on Lemuse, I think. Uh-huh. Uh. Well, I wanted to ask you about cooking and coping. You are one of the favorite posters on cooking and coping and have, you know, quite a following. And I was wondering what that site has meant to you during the pandemic and if you could just speak to the some some of the things that you see when you go there. Oh, it's a it's a it's a great site, you know. So many people are being so innovative uh and I think probably the common thread is that people are cooking things they never cooked before or, or things that they grew up with. I mean, that's, I'm doing a lot of that. Um, but it's a, it's a, it's a great site, a very creative outlet. Uh, I enjoy it very much. I, especially my sandwiches, you know, I, 
someone told me the other day, said, oh, you're so creative with your sandwiches. And I said, no, you don't understand. I'm a, I'm a bachelor. I mean, you wake up in the middle of the night and you're hungry. You make a sandwich out of what leftovers you've got. So it's not, <laughs> it's not like I'm picking that. I just look in the fridge and see what's there. And, of course, if there's nothing there, there's always a can of Vienna sausage in the pantry. Did you raise to an art form on the website? I mean, the photography is stunning. Well, thank you. I've, you know, I did that. I started the photography out of necessity. I've been a food and travel writer for about 10 years, and I would get an assignment. And after I went to wherever it was, I think the first place I did was Tupelo for Mississippi Magazine. They sent a photographer in behind me. And, you know, they don't pay us writers an awful lot. So I, I thought, well, maybe I, if I did the photography, maybe they would pay me to do that too. So I asked, and, and they said yes. So I just bought the best camera that I could afford. Of course, it's really a little computer, you know, and I, I'm not a technical photographer. I don't, uh, you know, I don't, don't get into the, the F-stops and all that stuff. But I, I do have a little bit of an art background, and I understand basic composition, composition and lighting. So that's really what it's all about. Yeah, in fact, we met through your art background when you were right. uh, director of the Dusty Bonger Foundation right after Katrina. Right. I had just started at the Arts Commission, and we have been friends I, ever since. I think that was at the Walter Anderson Museum, if I remember. Yeah, yeah, I believe you're right. Meeting there. That's right. Is the Dusty Bonger still in the Vu Marche? Are they still have a presence there in Biloxi? They, but yes, they have a location right behind the the Orr, the George Orr Museum. Uh-huh. There's a little gotcha. building there where they have, uh, and it's open to the public. There's a gallery, and it's quite nice. That's great. Well, Julian, I want to know what you're cooking right now. What's going on in your kitchen? Oh, man, I kind of took a pause like you did, uh, but I, I'm trying to go back and think of the things that my mom cooked that I really enjoyed and and didn't cook. And, you know, I don't know why, but one of my favorites was, uh, uh, was a roast beef stew that was served over cornbread. Uh, and I, I that's probably my all-time favorite. Uh, huh. And I... And the, Cornbread, I, I don't know if y'all ever used Grit Girl Grits uh, from Oxford. They also have yeah. cornmeal, uh, and that just makes the best cornbread in the world. So I am uh, do, do quite a bit of that. I'm still doing some handmade pasta, uh, and I, I think the, the trick for that is to make it in small batches. Uh, you know, one cup of flour, one egg, that's pretty much one portion. It's pretty easy to, to make. When you, when you make it for a bunch of people, it turns into a whole lot of work. Uh, oh, eating yeah. that you need it you know need the dough for 10 minutes uh, and do you have a pasta roller that, that flattens it out or do you do all that by hand no I, I mean I do have as a matter of fact I just bought a new pasta machine that will roll it out okay. uh, I've, I've got a roller and I can do it by hand but man that's that's a lot of work <laughs> so are, are you using a hand crank machine or an electric machine yes no hand crank just a hand crank Yep. That's what I use as well. All right, Julian. Thanks a million, man. Uh, keep up the good Always work. Always good to uh, talk to you. Man, it's a pleasure, and we appreciate you participating and cooking and coping, and we always enjoy your photography and your writing, uh, mostly about food on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. So come back and see oh, us. Thank you very much. Hope to see you very soon. 
Julian Brunt. All right. Take care. Photographer and uh, writer based in Biloxi. Uh, an avid poster and presenter on the Facebook page, Cooking and Cope. Carol, that about wraps us up for the day. Yep, that's a wrap, Malcolm. Happy Valentine's Day. Hope hope you and Kara have a great restaurant experience. Same to you and to John and Java to you and your family. Don't don't forget Valentine's Day or you won't be here next week when we try to have a show. Deep South Dining is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Stink Radio, funded by generous contributions from listeners like you. Our show is produced by Java Chapman, our co-host Carol Puckett, our guest Martina Barksdale, Mississippi Weekend, and Julian Brunt from Biloxi. I'm Malcolm White. Stay tuned for Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey, followed by Southern Remedy at 11. And please always join us Mondays at 9 a.m. Deep South Dining, right here on MPB Think Radio.